award-winning solicitors Johnson and Boone, offering a wide range of legal services from alcohol licensing, wills, commercial, employment, family, divorce, and landlord and tenant matters. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk or ring them on 0151 637 2034. You're listening to Johnson and Boone Solicitors podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode 41 of the Johnson & Boom podcast. My name's Mark, I'm your host, and joining me as always is the Boone from Johnson & Boone. It's Rob, how are you doing? Hi Mark, good to see you yourself. Yes indeed, I'm very good, thank you. The weather's the weather's pleasant, um, I can go outside and not get wet or cold, so you can't complain, can you? You can't, the couple of days of summer that we'll get probably. Yeah, well that's it, I mean, I've got me tan for the year anyway. <laughs> which in my definition is turn red and then just turn white again after peeling a little bit I'm exactly the same <laughs> um well if you're listening to this for the first time guys i guess we should probably explain rob a little bit about what it is that we're trying to do uh, with this show yeah so we started this show back right at the time of the first lockdown last year and it was just a different way for us to communicate with people and address different legal issues uh, and give a little an oversight as to how you might solve certain problems, what things you should be looking out for. And it started initially because we were addressing a lot of the COVID stuff uh, and it's developed from there. So we've talked about a whole range of subjects. Uh, as you say, we're on to topic, uh, onto show number 41. And each week we just give an oversight and then if people need any further help, you know where we are. Yeah, it's very much a resource tool, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, if you want to go and check out those previous episodes, so there's another 40 to go and get your teeth into, there's a whole range of ways. Um, you can listen to it on all of the major podcast platforms. You're probably using those if you listen to this right now. Um, if you want easier links, you can go to johnsonandboon.co.uk. You can find the useful advice tab and underneath there, there is a drop down for podcasts and they are all there. As I say, there's all the easier links to all the platforms so it'll take you straight through. If you subscribe, it means that every time we drop an episode, which is usually once a fortnight, it automatically downloads onto your phone so you don't even have to think about it. You wake up in the morning and Hey presto, it's already there. Um, You can listen to it direct off the website if you're there. Or alternatively, if you download the Johnson & Boone mobile app, which is free on both Apple and Android app stores, you just type in Johnson & Boone into the search field. Uh, You can download it there for free. Uh, You can listen to all of the shows on the podcast tab. There is also a whole host of other things you can do, a whole host of other features you can use on the mobile app. Uh, Rob, There's uh, you can book appointments. Yeah, you can access the diary of any of our team and it breaks it down into what we specialise in individually so you know you're booking in with the right person. There's articles and things you can access. Uh, you can see information on the, the, the different services. 
Uh, it's worth having it's a free download again there's loads of free resources on there for you to go and check out which will hopefully guide you through some of the pitfalls that you will find during the normal day-to-day life Uh, we're also on social media so facebook instagram twitter and linkedin Uh, go and give us a follow there again we're posing questions we're giving you resource tips facts uh, information and you can also get the odd post which notifies you about the latest podcast having dropped so there's loads of content out there hopefully it's all geared towards giving you what you need to help you and then ultimately when you hit that brick wall or you are left utterly scratching your head then you have a nice quick and easy way of, of picking up the telephone or dropping an email uh, to rob and the team uh, right rob what's the topic that we're going to be covering today so this week we're going to circle back and we're going right the way back to episode 29 30 and 31 when we were talking about business sales only last time round we talked about the conventional method of there being one seller one buyer and we talked about the various stages that are involved what we're going to do today is we're going to touch on a different way of selling a business and that's by way of an auction uh, which is very much less conventional but it does work really well in certain circumstances. Now, when you mention auction, I automatically have uh, what was it? The the one with the the guy with the dodgy tan on, uh, where you used to buy a load of junk and see how much more profit you could sell it for. Um, was it real deal? Was it? Yeah, something like that. Um, and then actually, I uh, I saw an article today where they were um, they broke the record. I think it was like eight point six million pound for a gold coin that had gone to auction. Um, is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Are we talking about a summer bees uh, fella standing at the front going, your twos, your threes, your fours, smack, bang, going once, going twice. Is that is that what you mean by an auction or is it a bit more sophisticated? No, it's a little bit different than that. So there's, there's no one at the front in a dodgy suit um, with, a, with a mallet ready to come down. I feel I should pull you on that one, though. Lawyers calling anyone wearing a dodgy suit is always uh, difficult ground to be treading. Well, it dep- difficult or, or sharp suit. <laughs> we'll move swiftly on. What what we're talking about is we are talking about an auction, so it's a it's a similar theory, but it isn't lots of people gathered together shouting out or or putting the hand up. It can be run with lots of bidders, or it can be just run with a couple of of targeted bidders, and they're generally. Uh, prospective buyers of the business who've already expressed an interest off the back of of the business being advertised somewhere and this is a process where they're given certain information about the business and they make bids uh, often sealed bids once it reaches a certain stage and it's a good way of the uh, the process moving forward if there's more than one party involved and the buyer wants to maximise the amount that they're going to get for the business. So rather than it being conducted in person, is it is it done as a process, I don't know, electronically through emails or via post? Yeah, it's generally, once you reach that stage, I mean, we'll, we'll talk now about the, the various different stages, but once you reach that stage, you'll have indicative offers, which is a, a first stage of, of working out who you're going to invite to make offers properly. And then once you reach the final offer stage, it might be that there's a deadline by which offers have to be formally put forward and it's their best offers um, and then the buyer will consider them with their advisors. Okay, so what's the process? So the process is quite different to a normal business sale. What the seller will normally do is they'll instruct their professional advisors. So they'll nearly always be legal advisors. Sometimes there'll be accountants and and other financial advisors involved. 
there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done before the business is actually ready to go up for auction and that's in relation to putting together information which is a, a memorandum of information about the company any presentation materials and also draft documents uh, so the seller will take charge of, of draft contracts and you'll have things in place such as confidentiality agreements ready to go when the stage is right um, once you've got everything ready and, and you think you're there or thereabouts uh, ready to, to go, the seller will then approach either directly or via their advisors, the potential the potential bidders, and that's when the confidentiality agreements are signed. And it's quite important that the confidentiality agreements are signed at that stage, because as you move on from that stage, the potential bidders are gonna have access to what might be fairly sensitive information. Uh, and that's one of the, the cons of this as a, as a process is that the, all the bidders will have access to due diligence information. As I say, as I mentioned before, there's then normally a round of indicative offers, uh, which isn't necessarily your final offers, but it's, it's just the starting point. Then you'll go through to final offers at that stage, which might be sealed bids, or there's various different ways of doing it, depending on the type of business and, and who's involved. There'll be a process in which the seller will, with their legal advisors, consider those bids. And then once they've selected someone, they'll agree an exclusivity period with them, which is a period that allows both parties to work together to try and get the deal over the line. Final due diligence will be done, which might be over and above the information that was originally given. Um, and then if everything's all sorted, final figures will be agreed uh, and contracts will be signed. Is this a process that you have to have advisors on? Um, we, we often look at things from a can you do this yourself perspective and a you need advice. You've sort of intimated that you'd be utterly nuts not to use advisors by virtue of the huge amount of information you need to get together because you're asking people to to make a bid on your business. So you have to make sure you've given them everything that they feel is sufficient to enable them to do that but is this something that perhaps is regulated um and requires certain bodies to be involved it isn't regulated and it doesn't require certain bodies to be involved but it, the sort of businesses that will generally enter into this um as a, a seller are the sort of businesses that would have a fair amount of interest and, and they're using the process in order to maximize the sale when if you're trying to maximize the sale you need to make sure that it's presented properly and you need to make sure that if there's going to be um, like a data room, so sometimes for the purpose of the initial due diligence process, a data room is put together and that should have all of the information that the legal advisors will already know that the prospective buyers are going to need to see. If you're doing it on your own, it's unlikely that's going to be successful because you won't have put together the proper stuff. You won't have proper contracts for them to see whether they like the look of. You may not get the confidentiality the confidentiality element right. And if any of those things aren't right, there's less chance that it's going to be successful. Um, this isn't something that's done routinely by you know everybody who's going to sell a business. The the method the, the method that we discussed back in in episodes 29, 30, and 31 is the conventional way to sell a business and it's the way that 80 90 percent of businesses would probably proceed but this is a good a good thing to look at if either a you know there's plenty of interest in relation to your business um or if you're in certain industries or if you're of a certain size um that it lends itself to 
dealt with this in property matters when people have been selling properties and you get sealed bids. I mean, I guess one of the main questions will be about, or rather one of the main concerns that will perhaps be raised by prospective buyers if you don't have professionals will probably be things like the sealed bid process. Uh, obviously, as a solicitor, if you received a sealed envelope and you're told categorically that under terms of the process you, that's not to be opened until a certain date you have a legal liability for that you can really wind yourself into a whole host of of trouble just by ignoring that rule so people will have that relief that peace of mind that it will be a fair process but I guess if you remove those kind of professional obligations and and undertakings that exist you don't have that same peace of mind you don't i think what would really be lacking is that if if there wasn't uh, a firm involved and it didn't knew what they were doing with this type of, of transaction it, it would be difficult to move it to the stage where it was moving along properly and everything was in place and everybody felt confident in terms of being involved and that it was actually going to go somewhere because just by just by making a bid doesn't mean you're going to complete so if you're a seller and you don't deal with the process right, you could end up disclosing all sorts of information to competitors that have no intention at all on moving forward, that haven't signed proper confidentiality agreements. And, and that's obviously one of the cons of, of this type of procedure. If we're approached by someone and, and this doesn't, they think they want to do this, but they're not too sure, we can discuss all the pros and cons with them and we can decide with them whether this is actually the proper way of doing it. Or, or should just a normal marketing exercise take place with an agent where they find a couple of buyers and you enter into pre-contract negotiations uh, and the more conventional route, but just with a bidding element is is suitable. The, the seller really does remain in control to a large extent when it's gonna be an auction because whilst there are in, indicative rules in terms of how they normally work, et cetera, it is for the seller to decide how the auction will work and what the rules of the auction are. And they don't necessarily just have to go with the, the highest bidder. There can be lots of different things involved. Um, it's more a process of making sure that they maximize um, what they're getting from it. But there are also lots of pros for uh, the buyer as well. Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash Legal Guard and quote the code FITCHESH. So what are those pros? Because if this isn't a, a conventional method of selling a business, why would someone want to choose this process? Yeah, okay. So it, it's probably worth going through that for both the seller and, and for the buyer. So if we start with the advantages for the seller, as I've said a few times, it, it, it certainly in most circumstances will ensure that the price that they're selling for is the highest possible price because you've got a number of competitive bidders. They know that they might only have one chance to put forward their proper offer. Um, it also, you know, it shortens negotiations and it shortens negotiation periods. 
Um, also, as I've said, the seller remains in control, so they will prepare the initial contracts, the transaction documents. Um, they'll normally adapt a, a lighter style in terms of how they're drafted, so they're less uh, sort of confrontational for that stage. Um, there'll also be seller-friendly warranties in there. You know, it's it's not unusual for when someone's buying a, a business for their solicitors to go really heavy on the warranties, depending on the type of business. This is something that can generally be avoided uh, because they're in control of the drafting. And you also have the, the, the thing of that it's not unusual when a business sale is, is going forward for the buyer to pull out at a certain stage. And if the buyer does pull out and it's a bidding process and those other bidders still involved or have shown interest, they can just flick to somebody else and, and see if they still want to move forward. So with the right business, uh, and as I, as I say it tentatively, but of the right size, because it's generally the larger businesses that would adopt this approach, it, it can work really, really well. Moving over then to there are always... I was about to ask there, what are the downsides? <laughs> there's there's, the there's always a there's an always a but or an if. Well, there's absolutely always a button, and, and you know that's why you've got to work out what's best for you. But the downside for the um, the seller, the immediate downside, is the huge amounts of preparatory work that's needed. They need to instruct their solicitors a good time before, and, and their accountants, a good time before the bidding process is actually going to start, and before the auctions anywhere near ready to go for all the documentation to be prepared and get ready. Uh, and there's a lot, a lot of work involved, which obviously comes at cost. The next one is their exposure in as far as, um, you know, they can be left open to tactical investigations by competitors or by people posing as businesses. And, and you do have to think about you, no matter what you do, you will have to release a certain amount of information and it's to what extent you're going to, to protect that information. Um, that's quite different if you're just dealing with a private buyer because a private buyer, you'll pretty much know who they are um, and, and you can release things you know, over time, a bit more steady. You also, we mentioned it as a pro, you know, if a bidder falls away, you might have another bidder lined up, but also if a bidder falls away, the disadvantage is it might also spook other bidders to think, what have they found? What have they came across? What put them off? And it wouldn't, it's not unusual for if, you know, if there's four or five bidders involved, if one drops away, you end up where actually there's only one left because the others will, will fall away with them. What about the buyer then? Why why would a buyer be interested in using an auction process? Auction processes are good for buyers if they are um, wanting to get involved and get to a certain stage where they are maybe at a bit more advanced uh, disclosure than where they would normally be to show the proper interest by an agent. So the auction process will give the bidder access to transactions and access to information maybe via a data room that they might not normally have access to until they've got a little further down the road in in terms of, of the process conventionally. Um, the bidder might also be able to conclude the acquisition a bit quicker because now they've already drafted all of the documentation and subject to minor negotiations on that, it, it should all be pretty much ready to go. They also shouldn't have to spend huge amounts in, in terms of drafting due diligence uh, questionnaires and, and all that sort of stuff that's normally done by the buyer because the information that they're given access to should be sufficient if it's done properly for them to understand 
uh, what they're getting into. There might be some inquiries that they make as, a, as advanced due diligence, but, but there shouldn't be a huge amount. So it's condensing the process for them and it's making it a bit cheaper, the process for them. They're also not fully committed. So that just because they bid it, as we said before, it doesn't mean they have to go through the pro with the process and they can get to a fairly advanced stage before um, they're, you know, they're tied in. The only problem is obviously they are included, they are incurring their own advisors' fees as they go. So the further they go in, the more they've spent if they don't move forward. You know what I'm going to say now? The, there must be a but. Where, where's the but, Rob? Well, the but for the buyers, of course, they're probably paying the top price because there's other bidders they can't mess about with low offers they're very unlikely to get a really good deal they know that the business they're going after is fairly sought after if if there's other people involved and they're going to have to go in with a high bid if if they're going to um if they're going to be secure the business they'll also have um limited ability to change bids and, and and to bid numerous times as i say there's there's initial bids and then there's normally a, a final round Sometimes in the non-conventional way, you can go backwards and forwards for ages with agents and, and things. So um, that's that's something to bear in mind. Um, and then there's also the, the fact that you may be required to show that you can appropriately fund it at a fairly early stage. So when the seller is deciding who to allow to take part in the, in the final bids, they'll often want you to prove that you've got the funds and you're gonna get there so that there isn't any time wasters and again if you're talking about substantial size businesses then you're into a position where you're having to you're having to disclose your own financials to show affordability you said earlier about um the huge amount of preparatory work which is required when it comes to asking when do people need to start getting help and assistance to get all this together i mean the first question is presumably for the seller it's going to be prior to this preparatory work but is there a time scale or does it very much depend upon the size of the 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 transaction itself it depends upon the size and the complexity of the, the business and the setup you know you can get businesses that are very very valuable but are quite simple in terms of their setup you can get businesses that are less valuable but they're very complicated and what will always need to happen is that they will always need to instruct proper advisors in order to understand what's going to be involved. And there will be a, a certain period of learning about the business and, and almost putting the advisors will almost put themselves in the shoes of the buyer and advise the seller what's the buyer going to need to see in order to be able to make a proper informed decision. There's a lot of drafting, there's also sales documentation, etc., that you'll put together. And then if they're going to use a data room, then that's a case of thinking about due diligence yourself, preempting a lot of the questions and, and putting as much information as you're reasonably comfortable to put forward. Um, and sometimes that's what's and all. So you may need to really think about are there any problems that you want to disclose at the same time? Because there's not much point in letting it get to an advanced stage where they, you know, they do do a little bit of extra uh, due diligence and question asking themselves. Before and then they pull out because there's something that you just haven't decided to tell them in the in the data room stage. So it takes a while to do. It can be done remotely, and then you may need some IT assistance to make sure that that's going well. So there's often a team involved, 
and it, it, it will generally, you know, it will take a couple of months to put to get it all right and put it in, and put it in place. You know, six to eight weeks is a minimum. What sort of team are we talking about? Obviously, lawyers, because we wouldn't be doing this podcast if if lawyers weren't required in that process. You mentioned accountants. I mean, you mentioned perhaps more subsidiary experts like IT people, but who else? I mean, who goes and finds the prospective? bidders um yeah so i mean sometimes you know in, in these instances you can you can have financial advisors you can have accountants there'll always be solicitors as you touched on it for the purpose of, of putting the uh the stuff online if it's going to be a um, like a technological data room you might have marketing guys involved in terms of getting the prospects and looking right um you might have pension advisors involved you know when once solicitors start asking questions in terms of how certain things work, one of the issues that is 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 prominent in, in more complex pension questions um, is what are the carry-on effects if it's an asset purchase. So you'll you'll recall the different ways of, of doing things, and we're focusing at the moment on on share purchase. But if assets are going to be passed in a similar way, and it's an asset purchase, not a share purchase. When employees are too beat over, there can be all sorts of effects on on pensions and things that also get passed over, uh, and it's a very complex area. So, it might be that you're going to preempt some of those questions, and you may need an actuarist who's going to work out what what things will look like on pensions uh, on behalf of of a buyer. Be very few and far between that 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 would be the case, but it's a possibility. Um, you might have agents involved in relation to property. It, it may be that within you know within the the law firm that you're using it isn't just one solicitor who's involved there might be a meeting of minds between employments you might have conveyances you might you'll obviously have the commercial team and there's there can be all sorts of different aspects that are all pulling together and are forming the team in simple times you know when it's 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 not a complicated one there'll be a solicitor and accountants but you won't be able to fully ascertain what will be involved in, until you get going on it. Why would it be that it tends to be bigger companies that use the auction process? Bigger companies just generally lend themselves to bigger buyers and it's quite an expensive process as well. So it's much more complicated. When someone smaller is selling a business, they'll go to an agent perhaps, or they might even know someone who's involved. The agent will place the a business on the market and it would be unusual if all of a sudden they had 10 or 15 bids for the same business or lots of people interested. And even if they were, it might still work out more cost effective for them to just enter into pre-contract negotiations with a number of bid, a number of bidders informally rather than going to the full extent of this. So it isn't a bar that smaller businesses can't do it. It just generally tends to be much larger businesses that are involved in this type of sale. Obviously, Johnson and Boone act for both buyers and sellers, so you can advise from both sides of it. Obviously, if you're the buyer, you're advising them on on all of the the aspects, which largely will probably be much the same as in the previous episodes you've mentioned. But what would you do for the buyer? If you're acting for the buyer, then you're going to help them in terms of looking at the all, all the documentation that we've talked about. The seller solicitors will prepare. You'll be guiding them through it. You'll be advising them on it. Um, you'll you'll help them look at any due diligence. You'll help them look at a data, at a data room. 
um, you'll advise them as to any any problems in exactly the same way as you would for a normal transaction and you'll deal with each stage of the process the same so you'll advise them what the confidentiality stuff means and you'll get it signed once you get through you'll advise them as to any advanced due diligence that needs to be done if there are going to be any tweaks to the contract you'll be advising them if the contracts are non-negotiable you'll be advising them so you'll make sure that the buyer understands what it is that they're getting into and doesn't just get carried away with the process and, and, and sort of swept along with the documentation that all looks as though it's ready to go uh, and, and that's really the the value that you're adding if you're a seller then and you're umming and ahhing about the pros and cons of a selling your business or b using the auction option or if you're a, a purchaser you're looking to buy a business and you could help with some guidance on it how would we get in touch with the team all the usual ways so uh you can give us a call 0151 you could drop us an email to info at johnsonandburn.co.uk you can visit our website uh, johnsonandburn.co.uk and look at the uh, business sales and purchases page there where you can fill in our contact form which is specific for this type of, of work uh, you can look us up on any of these social media platforms drop us a message on there uh, i think we're on facebook um we're on instagram linkedin and i think we're on twitter as well um you can also download our app and if you download our app as we said before you can book a consultation straight into any one of our diaries and, and with this sort of work it'd be my diary you'd be looking for brilliant also if you found this episode of use please feel free to give us a review on the platform you're choosing to do it just helps get a bit more extra exposure for the show and hopefully this resource too will be more available to more people because they'll know it's there uh, rob thank you very much for the insight today do we know what we're going to be touching on next time i think we're going to stay on on the business sales uh, stuff at the moment uh, and we'll pick up on a, another issue so if anyone has any specific questions in this area they can drop us an email and request the show uh, if not, we'll make our way through sort of periodically what we think is, is hot at that time. Fabulous. So if this has been of use to you, or indeed episodes 29, I think, through to 33, uh, then stay tuned for next time when we'll be covering some more very useful tips on the buying and selling of businesses. So uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we will catch you next time. See you now. Thanks very much. Bye now. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.